0: Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you all are doing well. I have a lot to share today. We have a lot to discuss, but to kick things off, I'm actually going to start out with a small complaint, just something that is grinding my gears right now that I just need to say before I get into this, just in case it affects the quality of this episode. Literally just as I sat down to record this episode, It began. My next door neighbor is having an absolute jam sesh, and it sounds like they must have a gigantic speaker over there or are actually playing like the guitar with an amp and everything because it's really loud. And I don't even know if you can hear it. Maybe my mic isn't picking it up, but I think what is not doing it for me is the fact that the music is honestly really good. It's like alternative kind of rock but I'm picking up the bass really only. But when I open my door, I can hear it fully like I'm in the room. It's actually kind of crazy. Like I guess for some reason, because we do have brick in this building, it is kind of soundproofed. So I can't really hear it totally perfectly, but I open my door, even a crack, and I can hear it word for word. And I have to say, like it's tough because I really do love the music they're playing. It's just bad timing because I'm (laughs) trying to record a podcast. But you know what? We're gonna be fine, all is well. Things always get in your way when you want things to be perfect. They're never going to be. So we're just going to take it in stride. And I'm not going to complain because honestly, I have thrown some parties in this apartment before and I can't imagine they were very happy about that. So, you know, they're they're having their moment and it's fine. We're going to be okay. There are bigger problems, bigger fish to fry we're going to be good. So anyway, just like that, let's get into today's episode of Thick and Thin. I have a good one for you guys today. This general theme has been marinating in my brain for a little while now, and I'm finally putting it into words, putting it into podcast form. And I'm assuming, I really do think a lot of you are going to relate to this episode. As many of you guys related to last week's episode, which thank you so much for all of the social media love on last week's episode about friendships changing. I thought that was a very relevant topic. So we're kind of shifting away from friendships today and more so into the ways that we hold ourselves back In our lives, no friends required for this, like the ways that we hold ourselves back, the ways that we slow ourselves down through worry, which I did a whole episode on worry specifically a little while back, but we're kind of revisiting the topic today in an interesting way of more so kind of traveling into the future, which I know future tripping it's a dangerous thing, but when done right, it could be good. Traveling into the future and thinking, okay, will my future self be very mad at me for how I'm treating my current self, like how I'm treating myself right now? Or will it maybe not even matter because I might concoct a narrative down the road that is different than what I'm experiencing now? So anyway, that's kind of just like in a nutshell what we'll be talking about. But I first want to talk about where this all came from. What was the catalyst for me thinking about this? And it might paint me as a bit of a bad person, but that is the risk you run when you have a podcast where you really do delve into every corner of your mind and your soul. Anyway, so this is kind of a confession of sorts. Um, The other night I was at my friend's birthday party It was in the park. We were on West Side Highway. It was like a little grassy area of the park um, on the west side of Manhattan. And we did a little picnic. Everyone brought something. We brought like a cute little cannoli cake with her name on it. And it was so cute. And we were having such a nice little time just chilling and listening to music and just celebrating our friend. And as we were singing happy birthday to her, I feel like whenever I hear or I participate in or I receive a happy birthday song with a cake and the candles and all that, I do feel like I'm in a movie every single time. And it does make you reflect on every single time. Like, how many times have I sang happy birthday in my life? How many times have you? Like, think about it. Probably thousands, right? For people that you aren't even friends with anymore. Like, for people in your sorority or people from high school or people in your elementary school class. Like I don't even remember if we would do a happy birthday singing situation for every single kid that turned whatever age you are in elementary school. But just imagine, like, think about how many times you sang happy birthday. And it's always the most awkward thing when it's your birthday and everyone's staring at you as they're singing and singing badly at that because none of my friends, um, myself included, are professional singers by any means. But we're all just standing around. She's standing in the middle holding her cake. She feels so awkward, you can tell, but we just like love it. Singing happy birthday to Shay. And I truthfully in this moment, as we were singing and as I was looking around and thinking about where I was and about the birthday girl herself, I felt a little bit jealous. I mean, I'm human. I guess. And jealousy is normal. We have a whole podcast episode on jealousy and why we feel it and what to do about it. But as I was singing to her, wishing her a happy 26th birthday, I was doing that thing. And I wonder if anyone else in this little circle was doing something similar. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm the only one, but I was comparing my life to hers. You know, I'm turning 27 in two months, a full 10 months older than her. And it seems like My friend here that I love so much, and she loves me too. And, you know, we are fabulous, amazing friends who've known each other for so many years. It just seems to me, by just, you know, in this moment, analyzing myself or comparing myself to her, it seems like she has so many more elements of her life figured out than I do. And one could say that it's not always what it seems. I feel like everyone would say this, like she might look at me and feel the same way about me and my life and what I have going for me and think, oh, well, Katie has all of this figured out, blah, blah, blah. You know, the comparison and the grass is always greener. And if you're so focused on other people's grass, you're clearly not watering your own and all those things. But I think that these feelings and this jealousy kind of snowballed. I was in a very vulnerable, weird feeling yesterday, weird spot yesterday. And I think it really snowballed from the fact the, the general anxiety that I have brewing within me surrounding turning 27. And you might think, okay, well, why 27? Like, what's the big deal about this number, 27? 27 means a lot to me. It's always been my lucky number. It marks my golden year, so I'm turning 27 on the 27th of October. It's always the number I've chosen for everything. When I could choose for a sports team, I would choose 27. If I had to think of a number in my head or like any sort of lucky number association has always been 27 for me. And I really thought growing up, like, oh, you know, 27 is going to be my good year. Like, I'll even be on Hinge or Bumble or one of my dating apps. I have so many of them now. And I'll be scrolling on there. And if a guy seems perfect and he's 27, it's just like the cherry on top. Like, that number just really sits in a good spot with me in terms of, like, how I associate it with good things. And, like, if I see it somewhere, I think, oh, it's my lucky day, that sort of thing. Everyone has a number like that, I feel like. And for me, it was 27. So growing up, I always thought once I would hit 27 – everything would be golden and great. And obviously that's not realistic. You can't just like think, oh, well, once I turn this or once I do, we've talked about this once I do, once I, once I, once I, once I, phenomenon of you think, oh, well, I just need this one missing puzzle piece and everything will be fabulous and perfect. And that's just not true. But I think it's just the general feeling that I have of like, am I letting myself down? Like all those past versions of me who really thought that 27 was going to be it. Like I almost feel like it's a countdown because I have two months left till I turn 27. So if you feel any general anxiety about getting older and certain years of your life that you thought would be one thing, but it's panning out to not be that way, I'm right there with you. And this is the episode for you because I have some interesting stuff to share on this subject that made me feel a lot better about it. So I actually ran into this quote on my Instagram feed And it's by this amazing writer. Her name is Brianna Weist or Weist. It's W-I-E-S-T. Highly recommend following her on Instagram. I repost a lot of her quotes a lot. So if you follow me, you'll probably see these. But she wrote this and it really dug me out of my dark mood yesterday. It says, one day you will look back on this time and all you will see is magic. You won't remember how stuck you felt or how far behind you thought you were or what you wished you had done differently. All you will see is that within your uncertainty was also your potential and within your lostness was also an opportunity to be found and within your discomfort was also a chance to see what you needed to change and changing it was you becoming the person you were always meant to be. If there is one single thought that can comfort you in your darkest, quietest night, please let it be this. One day you will look back on this time and all you will see is magic. And this hit me in a way where I was kind of transported back to a time in my life that was very, you know, turning point for me or very, it holds a lot of weight in terms of where it's landed me like it was very i don't want to say substantial but no it's like very formative okay that's the word formative my formative years or like a time period in my life that really did shape who i am today and that's high school and i constantly go back to high school in terms of like how i reflect on the podcast specifically because this was a point in my life where i felt very low but it also what i did during these years despite being in a low point changed the trajectory of my entire life and I don't mean to be dramatic, but it really, really did. Like This was the time period where I started to realize my potential, even though a lot of the time, 90% of the time, I was feeling very low. I would lock myself in my room and read books in hopes that they would like take me somewhere else because I was just so sick of where I was. And when I really, really think deeply about it and replay my days – During this time of my life, like really go through it day by day, like what did I do? I went to, you know, woke up at this time to go for a run and then I went to school early because I was editor of the newspaper, which was not an extremely cool by high school standards position to have. Like I wasn't on the cheerleading squad. And I don't mean to be like this pick me girl or the the Taylor Swift, you belong with me music video here. But I'm just saying like going through my day in the life, I had a pretty, you know, I was privileged, but still I was sad. Like I was sad. I felt empty. I felt lost. I felt lonely a lot of the time. And when I really think about it, I see that. But when I just look back in a little glimpse, like I'm just like, glimpsing back, thinking of high school for a moment, and then I'm snapped back into whatever I'm working on or whatever I'm dealing with now, I don't feel as strongly when I look back on those sad low moments, I don't see them as like, this was a really, really, really low place. I see it as this was the low before the high. Like, this was where things changed. This was the catalyst for who I am today. Like, this got things going. This got things moving. I'm so proud of that version of me. I'm so happy that I got myself out of that place. Like, I see the positive. I do. And I think that's through training myself to see the positive because you can't dwell And I think the biggest reason I see things this way is just the time that's passed. I've had time to realize that this wasn't the lowest part. This was just where I had to be in order to climb up to the better parts of my life and realize that I needed to fight a little bit harder for the life that I wanted. Like, And I know this is dramatic, maybe sounding to some people, but I think that for me, it was very gradual, but it was... A turning point for me. And I honestly look back on that time in my life and any times in my life that have even happened more recently where I feel really low and not really worthy or like I'm just kind of existing. I'm a little bit grateful for those times because in that, I have to get the gears turning. I have to motivate myself. I have to get myself out of the dark place. And every time I do that, it just proves to me how strong I can be and how extremely worthy of good things i am because i'm willing to fight for them i'm willing to not just wallow in self-pity but figure out what i need to get better like what do i need to find my way back to myself again when you look back on your life you have two options you can be sad about the person that you were and how you struggled Or you can view it as the turning point. You can view it as, okay, this is when I decided or maybe it wasn't like this one time, one moment shift of like, I'm going to change and I'm going to be better. It was kind of a gradual over time thing. You know, it's like, for me, you know, I really focus a lot on my strength training journey, like I'm lifting weights, I've been doing it for a year and a half now. And Same with that. It's like very gradual over time. You're not going to wake up one day after doing one just weighted exercise and see a massive difference in your strength. It's over time. I look back at videos from when I first started a year and a half ago and I was lifting a yoga block over my head, which is like a foam block because I couldn't lift a weight over my head. And now I can lift two weights over my head that are 75 times the weight of a yoga block. And it's very gradual. You don't really see it All at once, but you know, you are getting stronger over time. And I think the same goes for when you're coming out of a dark period of your life. It's very slow, very small changes that are made every day. And you start to grow without even knowing it into an entirely different person, or maybe not entirely different, but just a stronger person. And I, you know, when I think back on high school, that's what happened to me. Like it wasn't all at once, but I look back and I see how I got stronger and then, you know, continued through college and has continued into my adult life. And through every time that I make a decision that does not honor me, I realize that and I change next time because life is all about paying attention to how you feel when you do things and actually honestly asking yourself, is this true to who I am? Does this bring me joy? Or am I just doing this thing or living this way because of other people, because they like it when I'm this way and I want to be friends with them still or I want to keep them in my life? Or because maybe this way of living has worked for someone else that I know and I just don't really know any different? Or I think I am just obsessed with this other person and how they live. I'm influenced influenced a little too close to the sun girl boss too close to the sun or am i just tired like half the time i think when i find myself living in a way that just like does not feel right and i know it but i'm just like i'm too tired to change because it's just sometimes i think of the prospect of changing my ways and it would result in or it would require a lot of either uncomfortable conversations with people that just aren't right for me, like people in my life, kind of a breakup of sorts, kind of shifting the characters in my plot. Or maybe it would require admitting that I made a mistake, which is never great. Like you hate to realize those moments where you're like, wow, I really messed up and there's no one to blame but myself. So maybe I'm just tired. Maybe i don't know what to do. Maybe I'm just confused. There's so many different reasons for why we fight changing, why we don't really want to do it, why we just find the whole concept exhausting. So instead of making difficult decisions, we just decide to sit in our worry and let it consume us. (laughs) Sound familiar? That's what I do at least. But I want to talk a little bit more about The confusion of life and like how we sit in our confusion and our worry, and how it will affect us later on, or like what we'll see later on when we're older. And I know I am the first to say that getting older, the concept of it scares me, and even turning 27, which is not old whatsoever. Like, I guess everything is relative, but just the concept of getting older both scares me, but also it kind of mystifies me. It's like just very interesting to me. I really am so, so, so curious to see who I will be. But There's this quote I want to revisit. I've talked about this before. I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago. It's at Top of Mind right now. Um, It's a Soren Kierkegaard quote. I think that I said their name correctly, but it says, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. So it's extremely relevant because I often feel that I just don't really know what's going on. (laughs) As I meander through life, I just feel – a lack of control and I fear that I'll always be this way. And like I said earlier, sometimes what prevents us from changing is just the sheer realization that you don't know what you need to do. You don't know how to do it and you worry that you're not living right, but you don't know what you need to do to change to make you feel that you are. So feeling these things in the present, being confused in the present in your current phase of life, this got me thinking about down the road, people that are much older, How do they view things? Like, do they still live their lives with worry and wonder how they can change, even if they are in their 70s and 80s, or even like just their 60s, 50s, like parents' age, you know? Like, do they worry about that? Do they worry that they don't really know what's going on or they feel a lack of control? Do things get better? Do things get worse? Do these people, especially those that are in their 70s and 80s they've seen some stuff okay they've seen a lot in their lives and experienced a lot and have lost a lot and have just much more experience under their belt than i do at here at 26 but do these people look back on who they were when they were 26 and do they remember these times very vividly. Did it affect them in the long run? Did they see this phase of my life in my 20s feeling a bit confused and all the Emotions and feelings that I just talked about do they see all of this and instead of lumping it into a category of these were my confused years Maybe they see it later on in their lives as like these were the years that I was really cracking the surface Of something huge or I was onto something even if I didn't know I was on it Like i'm just so interested in how people look back like the same way that I look back 10 years ago to high school I think high school was 10 years ago where will I be in 10 years? What will I think of who I am now in 10 years? And I know I say all the time it's dangerous to spend too much of your thoughts in the future, like dedicate so much of your energy looking forward and you should be present. But I do find some comfort in looking forward sometimes in knowing that the way that I look backwards, it's sometimes comforting because you do see the growth even if you didn't feel like you were growing and changing in a good way at the time, you do see it when you're pedaling your bike up the hill and you look back and you see how far you've come, you know? So I had this fascination about the elderly, older people and how they viewed their 20s or like what they would have changed and what little tidbits of advice we can take from these people and put them into practice in our own lives and feel better, like just overall feel better. I'm dedicated on this podcast and in my life towards feeling better and just not maybe gaining more control over my life because I know it's not always possible, but at least kind of choosing to see even the things that I can't control, even the confusing parts of my life, even the low moments and the worry, kind of seeing it through a different lens of this isn't The end. This isn't the worst thing in the entire world. This isn't something I can't come back from. This is just the time that I will choose to change or I'll choose to learn and I'll choose to grow. And it's just like seeing things through a little bit of a positive lens, like a rose colored glasses, but more realistic version. You know, it's like I can choose to be really bummed out right now and feel like it's the end of the world. Or I can choose to see it as just the turning point when things will change and see it as the point where, yeah, maybe I wasn't at my highest point here, but there is potential to grow. And who knows, maybe sometime down the line, I'll see this as the best part of my life because it was when I realized something that changed the game for me, you know? So I had this fascination with the elderly. Back to that, still do, but when I was researching for the podcast and just like generally thinking and You know, jotting things down as I do in my notes, I came across this guy who similarly has wondered the same thing as me like do these people that are further down the road than I am do they look back on their lives and what do they see what do they wish what do they wonder things like that so there's this Cornell University professor named Carl Pillimer and a little while back when Carl turned 50 he had this epiphany of sorts or this just like massive wonder that he had to satisfy with research he said I'm curious as to whether there is something about getting older that teaches you how to live better worry less so he took this one And he interviewed more than 1,500 older Americans about their lives and put all of their advice and his findings into two popular books, 30 Lessons for Living and 30 Lessons for Loving. And I immediately obviously had to add Descartes because I need to read these books in full. But through some poking around on the internet, I found some of the excerpts from the books and some of them really reached out and grabbed me and shook me and I felt something. So, he said this. He said, I asked these oldest Americans what they think people tend to regret at their age and what they would advise younger people to do to avoid regrets as they're living. And he expected these big ticket items to be thrown out, you know, an affair or a shady business deal. And he certainly was not expecting to hear, quote, the one answer that was among the most frequent and certainly among the most passionate. Stop worrying so much. One of the biggest regrets of the very old was, I wish I hadn't spent so much time worrying. They weren't talking about planning, but the kind of mindless rumination that all of us do over things that we have no control over. One of the people who said that summed it up this way, it was a woman who said, quote, I knew that there were going to be layoffs at my job. I did nothing over the coming three months except worry about being laid off. I poisoned my life. I didn't think about anything else, even though I had no control over it. And she paused and said, I wish I had those three months back because that was just lifetime lost. So remember a few episodes ago, guys, that I said, worrying is just praying for what you don't want to happen. And by worrying, it's possible that you're actually just speaking a bad thing into existence. You're praying for this bad thing to happen because you're spending so much time and energy towards this thing that might not even occur. So I know that worrying is not good. Like I think all of us can agree that worrying is just a waste of energy. Like yes, it must stem from some survival instinct of sorts and like feeling like we need to predict things before they happen because it'll keep us alive and like that sort of thing. But I truly do think that worrying is The worst use of energy really, really is. But it's one of those things where it's like a guilty pleasure of sorts or not a pleasure. It's a guilty thing that I do that I can't stop. But hearing that older people, that's their one one like regret in life. It does make you think. And I feel like I spend a lot of time worrying and worrying honestly has crafted the best podcast episodes for me, but it also has made me realize in making these episodes that so many of you guys feel the same way. And it's an epidemic like sweeping our world, a pandemic sweeping our world is worry. Worry is the greatest pandemic of all, the hugest one. And I want to read a few more things that these people surveyed had said, looking back on their life, because they really do hit hard and make me realize what I'm currently doing a lot of that I should be doing a lot less of because it is going to be a great regret. Through interviewing these older people, Carl began to realize that once you get older, these people, they have become, quote, attuned to the minute pleasures. So the small little things that younger people often are only aware of if they have become deprived of them. That part really hit me. So these small things that we happen on in our lives, that we experience, that we indulge ourselves in, but don't realize because they're so small and we're always seeing the big picture and we're always focusing on the big things and what's next, you know, we – only pay attention to some things and really give it the moment that it deserves if we're literally deprived of it and realize, oh no, like I don't have this thing in this moment and I want this thing. It's almost like, this is such a weird analogy, but when you have a really stuffy nose or you're dealing with like really bad allergies and you're struggling, suffering, and you realize like, oh my God, there was a time in my life where I didn't have a stuffy nose, where I could breathe totally fine through my nose, and you feel like you were ungrateful (laughs) for being able to breathe through your nose when you could, and now you're like, I took that for granted. (laughs) that time in my life where I was healthy when you're feeling sick so he kind of took note Carl of some of these minute pleasures that elderly people really do value because they're just more in tune to the details sometimes when you realize that you're you know you've taken things for granted or you've been ungrateful and you were just moving too fast to really appreciate. So he noted, you know, a morning cup of coffee, a warm bed on a winter night, a brightly colored bird feeding on the lawn, an unexpected letter from a friend, even a favorite song on the radio. He says, paying special attention to these micro-level events forms a fabric of happiness that lifts these people up on a daily basis. They believe the same can be true for younger people as well. And yes, it definitely can. I think that oftentimes in life, I really do try to romanticize even the smallest details in my life, like a lit candle and just staying in on a Sunday night and watching a movie and just, you know, like little things that aren't extremely expensive, aren't extremely extravagant, but bring me joy. I try to focus on these things, but I think that sometimes my worry about the week ahead, like on Sunday nights, I'm like just so stressed about the week ahead that I don't really properly enjoy it. It's almost like I had this um, conversation with a friend who works in the health space. She's studying to be a dietitian. And she was talking about how a lot of times people develop issues with food because they're always sidetracked while they're eating and they chew too fast. They are not issues with food, but issues with their gut, issues with their health, like their stomachs can hurt if they're eating because people are so focused on something else while they're eating. They don't really give food the proper time. Like they're chewing And eating, but not really like realizing that they're eating. They're like thinking about a meeting that they have or they're stressed over something. And it definitely causes like a stress reaction in your stomach and in your digestion because you're not focused on your eating. And I thought that was so interesting. Like she'd said it in a much better way. Like I just like completely paraphrased from my memory, but it's almost like that. Like if you are so busy worrying and focusing on things that you can't control in this moment the things that you can control in the moment like your enjoyment of these small things or of these moments that you're having with friends like that goes out the window going back to the beginning of the episode where i was at my friend shay's birthday party which you know there's going to be a time in my life where a lot of us are going to move away potentially like there's always potential for that we're here right now but who knows and i'll look back and wish that i Had enjoyed these moments more and didn't spend it worrying and comparing myself and feeling horrible for comparing myself and all these things. Like, if I just stayed a little bit more focused on what I have and not what I don't have, like, I know that this is a fundamental thing that I should be focusing on, but I think I often forget. I really just forget in the shuffle of things, you know? So, the last little tidbit from the elders, the elder advice that I'm going to unpack. Um, this one also is really great. It's about the way that we react to that uncertainty in our lives, that worry, you know, the things that go wrong, the confusion we have, the unfairness, like the way that we we react to these things that generate the worry. So Carl gathered from his interviews that you are not responsible for all of the things that happen to you, but you are completely in control of your attitude and your reactions to to the things like if you feel annoyance fear or disappointment these feelings are caused by you and must be dug out like a weed and the way that he says we should kind of go about doing this is study where they came from accept them then let them go if you let outside pressures determine how you feel and what you do you've just abdicated your job as CEO of your life and that really struck me it struck me right in the face like I got to say that last part again. If you let outside pressures determine how you feel and what you do, you've just abdicated your job as CEO of your life. Every time you look at someone else and compare yourself to the point where it's not productive because I think it is possible to compare yourself to someone else and it be a good thing. Like I listen to a lot of podcasts with CEOs discussing how they got to where they are and the steps they took to get there and that will never not inspire me because it is interesting to hear how people get to where they are or like how they've gotten there but i think when you obsess you fixate you start self-sabotaging and you start speaking unkindly to yourself over that like you think oh like you know going back to the beginning of the episode where i said oh at 27 i should have been doing this by now because this other person has done this like if i'm changing the narrative in that way that's not good that is truly giving up my role as CEO of my own life. Like it's that weird feeling almost of, I'm sure a lot of people have been there. If you have a car or you drive a certain car and you like let someone else drive your car, like, you know, in college, there was some times where I had my roommate drive my car because we both drove Jeeps and I trusted her because, you know, Jeep drivers, we understand the Jeep way of life. But she would like drive my car and I'd be sitting in the back. There was just one time where you're babysitting a dog and I had to hold the dog in the back seat. So she was like driving my car and it's a weird feeling sitting in the back seat of your own car. It's almost like if you give someone else the keys to your car and you're sitting in the back seat, but you don't really trust the person who's driving or you don't know where they're going and you feel this anxiety of like, but you also just don't wanna be mean. So you're sitting in the backseat of the car because it's just like, you know, there's a lot of emotions and how we can translate this into our lives. And once we give up the driver's seat of our car and we're sitting in the backseat of our own car, it doesn't feel right, but we're the ones who let it happen. We gave them the keys, you know? So if you give up the driver's seat and allow other people to take the wheel, you might not even be aware that you're doing it sometimes. And I find it interesting to think about the fact that our ancestors, you know, those people who came long, long, long before us, long before credit cards and TV and internet and TikTok, they led much harder lives in terms of difficulty and physical strain. But a lot of them probably found it easier to find contentment and to shut off and to kind of, like I said earlier, appreciate those small things, those minute details, they probably found it easier to do that than we do now. It just truly is the more that we put into existence, the more that humankind produces, the inventions, the discoveries, the ways we can make our lives easier, the more complicated things become. We get hungry for more. It opens the door to trying to figure out how to come up with the next best thing and the next way we can invent and reinvent our world and ourselves like once you know one self-improvement thing occurs you feel oh i want to do all these other things it's like if you get your first i haven't done botox yet i am interested in it down the road i think it's awesome for those of my friends who have done it and if i choose and decide i like it i'm gonna do it but it's like that it's kind of like a procedure that becomes addictive you get one thing you're like oh i want to get everything i want to fix it all right so it's interesting i think the reason for all of this is just the sheer fact that now We know too much. Like the reason why our ancestors were probably more content with things, like though life was harder then, we just know too much now. We're exposed to way too many lives. We know too much about other people, about the world, and it's opened the door to a lot of good change, but it's also opened the door to a lot of bad comparison and just a lot of worry. There is just so much to compare ourselves to. There's so much being shown to us. And we're left thinking, oh, I want this. I don't want that. Or even more confusing of a wonder is, should I want that? Like, should I be like that person? I don't even know. But maybe. Like, maybe this is opening a door to something I didn't even realize I wanted. We just know too much. We know too much. But one thing we don't really know enough about, I think many of us, is how strong we really are and how much strength we have and how the lowness that we feel right now is not forever. And one day we could view it entirely differently as the thing that saved us or the period of life that things really started to make sense, even a small, very slow progression, but things, the gears started turning and how we're feeling now is just the low before the intense high, the upswing And we might be on to something, but we won't maybe see it that way now. And I think what's important is just to keep moving forward, even if it's hard, and to figure out what we need, how we need to water our garden today. Like, what are those things that need our attention in ourselves? Like, what do we need to cut down on? What do we need to do more of? And, you know, even if it requires some hard, heavy lifting to get there in terms of like cutting certain people out of your life that aren't helping your condition the way you are the way you view yourself or the certain things that you're participating in or the place that you are like just figuring out what you need and doing that it's the hardest part but I try to focus on that every day just kind of trial and error living assessing how I feel after certain things like what are those things that trigger me and make me feel bad and how can I do less of those things So anyway, guys, that's my episode this week. I hope you guys found some things interesting. I hope that this really resonated with you. And thank you all for listening. I'll have all of these sources that I discussed today linked in the show notes if you want to read more. And I will talk to you guys all next Thursday. Bye.